0: today uh, as we uh, start this new series called life in reverse we're going to be in Matthew 28 if you want to be finding that in your bible and uh, the whole premise is this uh, we're going to start today in Matthew 28 with Jesus's second birth the resurrection and we're going to look at Jesus's life in reverse all the way back to christmas day christmas morning celebrating together as a family the birth of Christ and uh, i'm looking forward to that so uh and, and I'm looking forward to that because uh just the time of year we finished Thanksgiving and in Thanksgiving we're reminded of all the good and the blessing that God's brought into our lives and we are we are now you know, if you haven't made the shift, like this is it, we are full force headed into Christmas. It's like it's just a real thing. Uh so often the Christmas season it makes us feel like life has just been thrust into fast forward. Uh, you think about your calendars. You probably have something every night between now and Christmas. There's there's much to do to prepare for the parties, the celebrations. You got to get the tree up, the decoration decorations, um, and we're celebrating the fact that that God came to be with us. And sometimes the fact that God came to be with us and that He was born as this this poor like just little baby uh, gets lost in all of that. And so, what would it look like? Right. If we we took this season where so much of life is lived in fast forward and we thought about living our lives in reverse. And I think we can can find that as we we study Jesus' life in reverse. What if we spent this Christmas season trying to do that? What if we worked to live a life that began with the end in mind? See, that's what's really interesting about Jesus' life. Jesus knew where his life was headed he knew what life held for him, and so he began as a baby living a life that was incredibly different. So what does that look like for us? What if as we head out to finish our shopping, we thought about the credit card bill that will come in January? What if we use this Christmas season to, to launch our lives into a season where we lived counter to the culture, where we lived a life in reverse of, of all the things that we see and we hear? So we're going to explore those questions. We're going to do that by taking a look at Jesus' life in reverse, And today we're going to begin, uh, like I said, in Matthew 28 with the resurrection. So with that said, we're going to read the chapter, if you would. uh, Follow along with me uh, on your phones, or we'll have it on the screen here. And uh, then we're going to pray and ask God to, uh, to speak to us through his word. Matthew 28. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. And then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus, who is crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. And as the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and told the leading priests what had happened. A meeting with the elders was called, and they decided to give the soldiers a large bribe. They told the soldiers, you must say, Jesus' disciples came during the night while we, were still, while we were sleeping, and they stole his body. If the governor hears about it, we'll stand up for you as you won't get in trouble. And so the guards accepted the bribe and said what they were told to say. Their story spread widely among the Jews, and they still tell it today. And then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, we thank you for today. We thank you that you have uh, given us uh, the opportunity to worship you, to, to read from your word and to, to be taught by you. And so, Spirit, we ask that you would uh, just reveal to us the truth of the gospel. We, we pray, God, that, that you would show us where uh, we can uh, obey you where we can trust you more. God, we pray that you would help us to think about living a life that that looks different uh, because of the life that you have given to us that is eternal. And so, God, we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> As we think about this idea of living life in reverse, it, it dawns on me that that the whole world is is screaming for us to change the beginning of our story. It wants us to change the beginning of our story. On Monday afternoon, um, uh, a gentleman walked into to the church and um uh, he was he was looking for some help, and I asked him what kind of help I could help him help him get. And um, it took him a while to, to really figure out what he needed. And eventually, he said, "Well, what I what I really need is a ride to Frankfurt." I said I can do that. And so we we start on the ride to Frankfurt, and I start just asking questions, and trying to create conversation with him. And I you know I start asking him about where he's where he's come from, where he's been, how he ended up in Shelbyville why he's headed to Frankfurt, all these things, and he's, he's got different answers for each of those things. And um, funny enough, I asked him where he was born, where, where he started life. And he said, I was born in Bedford, Indiana. I said, no way. So my mom works in Bedford. Like I, I grew, I got no Bedford. I was like, tell me, tell me more, tell me more. Well, like you just see him shut down. I just like watched the life turn on his face. He's like, oh, man, this guy knows about Bedford, Indiana. And, and he was like, well, he's like, I didn't stay there long. You know, like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't lived there in a long time. I said, well, tell me about your family. Then. Tell me about your family. He's like, well, he's like, I haven't seen my family in a long time. I said, okay, I'm going I'm to keep asking, right? I'm going to keep asking questions. And I was like, do you have any brothers or sisters? And he's like, I have one brother and one sister. I said, well, where are they now? You know, what's going on? And finally, he, he turns and he looks at me, and, and he says, listen, I have blocked my family out of my life. The family, my family is in the past. I don't want to talk about that. I was like, man. And, and I think, as I think about his story, I was, I was sad for him. I realized that, that maybe there's more people that feel that way than, than what I would like to think, but, but I also realized that what was going on in his life was, was maybe what goes on in a lot of ours, and, and that's that we don't, we don't wanna mess with what's in our past. We wanna pretend like what has already happened in our story isn't real. We wanna block things out of our, our prior story uh, so that others don't have to see that about us. We, we wanna save p- face. We want to be politically correct. We don't want to let people know that what the situation really is. Uh, and all these are examples of us trying to hide what's already happened in our stories. We want to hide what's already happened in our stories, and we're, we're afraid of that. And that's exactly what the guards that we read about here in Matthew 28 wanted to do, too. We read in verses 11 through 15, um, it says this, As the women were on their way, they were on their way to tell the disciples, Some of the guards went into the city, and told the leading priests what had happened. A meeting with the elders was called and they decided to give the soldiers a large bribe. They told the soldiers, you must say, Jesus' disciples came during the night while he were, while we were sleeping. And they stole his body. If the governor hears about it, we'll stand up for you so you won't get in trouble. So the guards accepted the bribe and said what they were told to say. Their story spread widely among the Jews and they still tell it today. Yeah, you know, this is such an interesting part of, of this story because... You know, so often we, we just talk about what happened with Jesus, and we forget that there's this whole other group of people that to this day are still in denial about the fact that, that Jesus is alive. And it all goes back to these two guards who, who would have been scared. <laughs> they, they were scared because they'd failed to do their job. There was a failure, in, in, or perceived failure, to, to guard the tomb. They had failed, and so instead of just saying, we don't know what happened, but Jesus, maybe he really is alive, there's this whole story concocted to, to cover up what had actually happened, and that's the story that's told to today. And, and I, I just think about you know maybe the skepticism of our culture. If you, if you didn't know Jesus, what would sound more logical? What, what would you believe? Would you believe these two women who were claiming that, that Jesus came back from the dead and that he was no longer in the grave, or would you believe... These royal guards, with the backing of the priests and the elders, and, and even the, the, maybe the political government. And so many people begin to buy into this lie that what had happened really hadn't happened. They, they, were, they, were, they were all about denying the, the past. And I think there's some ways that we fall into this same behavior, some ways that, that maybe look a little more tangible for us, uh, especially when it comes around to Christmas time. We get presents for people not because we want to, because we feel obligated to, right? And, and in doing that, we're saying we're not—we're just ignoring everything that's happened. But we have to do this. We believe that our best days are behind us. We we give into being stuck in a season of life, or we believe that our problems are unique. We believe that nobody can understand our past, and so because of that, uh, we're not gonna—we're not gonna move forward in that situation. All of these efforts are to hide the beginning of our story. We don't want people to know what our past looks like. Maybe it's not as extreme as the guy that I met on Monday that says, I don't even want to talk about it. But, but we do a lot of things to save face, to be politically correct, to do the, to what is the perceived right thing so that we can hide the beginning of our story. And everyone who had been following this Jesus movement here in the New Testament, all these people who had been watching what was going on, they believed that this moment in time where Jesus is lying in the grave was the end of the story. It was the end. But what, the, what only Mary knew was this, this was actually the beginning. What every person thought was the end was actually every person's beginning. Everyone had given up hope on Jesus. They'd seen him walk the streets with his cross, They'd watched him die upon the cross. They had heard him cry, it is finished. They had watched as the soldiers pierced his side and and the blood flowed out. Everybody thought that this was the end. Judas had betrayed him. Peter, the one that Jesus called the rock, had denied knowing him. Everyone believed that it it was the end. Everyone except his mother and her friend Mary. Mary had been there since the beginning and she knew the whole story. She knew the ups and the downs, the hard times, the good and the bad, and she knew that the story wasn't over. She knew that what every person thought was the end was actually every person's beginning. But what she didn't know that morning that she ran to the tomb was that Jesus wasn't going to be there. I love reading the the first few verses of this chapter. It says, Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. And then the angel spoke to the women Don't be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. The Marys had no clue that Jesus was already risen from the grave, but they were still eager to get there anyway. Think about that for a minute. They think they're going to a tomb where where Jesus still is, and they they were still eager to do it early on Sunday morning as the new day was dawning. They had hope anyway because they believed in what Jesus had said to them. So what does that mean for your life? You may have no clue what the end result of your life is going to be. You may have no clue what you're supposed to accomplish or or what your purpose is going to be. You you may have no idea what you're going to gain or lose, what the future holds, but you can have hope anyway because you can count on Jesus. You can count on the fact that when the world is telling you that you're at the end of your story, when there's no hope, when when you're not supposed to to be able to do something, in just those moments, when you feel like there's no place to turn, Jesus is one step ahead of you, waiting to point you to what's next. You see, when you're following Jesus, what every person thinks is the end of your story is actually just the beginning. And this passage gives us some guidance for how we might change the end of our story by beginning with Jesus. Jesus is calling you to change the end of your story, to live life in reverse. And so today we're going to see just three quick things about how we might live life in reverse, and then we're going to see this played out through Jesus' life over the next few weeks. Number one is this. Believe that every encounter with Jesus is a new dawn. Believe that every encounter with Jesus is a new dawn. I love the wording in Matthew 28.1 that says, as the new day was dawning. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning. I love this word picture that Matthew paints because it's, it's much more than, than these ladies being early risers or, or wanting to be their first thing in the morning. This phrase is about Matthew expressing to, to everyone who would read this in all time that the entire story was about to change. Jesus was alive. A new day was dawning, not just on this specific day, but a new day in history. A new day for, for people of all tongues and tribes and nations that would one day believe in Jesus. A new day was dawning. Last Christmas, uh, <clears throat> one of the gifts that I wanted the most was this, uh, it's called a, a wake-up light. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with these things, but it's like this, I don't know, six-inch circle and it's a, it's a light, and it's a very, very bright light. Like, when the light is turned on, you can't even, like, look at the light because the light is intended to simulate the light of day. So, um, growing up on the farm, I, w- I used to be an early riser, and then this thing called college happened, and um, early rising just went out the door. And um, ever since then, I've, had a, I've struggled to, like, wake up in the mornings. I'm a really heavy sleeper. So, when I heard about this wake-up light... I was like, this is it. This is going to change everything. And uh, my grandma, love my grandma, she got me a wake-up light last Christmas. And it's so cool because uh, you set your alarm for the time that you want to get out of bed. So if you want to get up at 6 a.m., you set it for 6 a.m. But this wake-up light, it starts slowly creating or simulating the light of day inside of your bedroom 30 minutes before your alarm goes off. It's crazy, right? So like at 5.30, the little light starts coming on. And the science behind it is that your body begins to wake up because of the light in the room. And by the time it gets to 6 o'clock, you're like all fresh and cheery and ready to wake up in the morning. It's like half true, okay? (laughs) It really does help you wake up better. I I will attest to that. Like there's been a couple of times that I'll wake up at like 5.58. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. This is great. I'm like ready to go. But then there's still those days where like if you choose to go to bed at 2 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock is still too early, right? It just happens. Um, So there's still a choice to be made. but, But this idea, there's literally something to a new day dawning. To, to light coming into the room and helping to, to wake you up, to, to help you know and see what is ahead of you. And and you have to believe that every encounter with Jesus is that kind of light, a new dawn. It doesn't mean that everything in life is going to be perfect, but it is shedding a light in your life whenever you take time to, to have that Jesus encounter, to pray, to, to read his word, to experience Jesus, um, not not maybe like like on a mass scale, but like, personal, quiet time, hearing from Jesus. When you have those moments, it is like the light of that alarm clock shining in. It's going to help you. It's going to help show you uh, what is to come. It's going to help get you ready for whatever God is asking you to do next. It's not impossible to to make it through the day without having Jesus shed the light on that, but, but at the same time, it's like trying to wake up in that dark room. It's a whole lot harder, and you feel like you don't know where you're headed next. The reason to keep returning to God's word, the reason that we would challenge or encourage you to be reading from scripture every day is because we want you to encounter Jesus. We all want to be encountering Jesus to to experience those new dawns in our life day in and day out. It's to find a new beginning in that day. It takes discipline, right, to get out of bed. Even if I've got the the coolest daylight alarm clock in the world, there's a discipline to get out of bed and and choose to, to wake up. And in the same way, it takes discipline to to get out of bed, to protect that time with with Jesus uh, amidst the distractions of of schedules and chores and and oftentimes kids. And and now we add in the distraction of Christmas, right? There's so many things to do. But you have to believe that every encounter with Jesus is going to be that new dawn. That In those moments that you spend with Jesus, something new will start in your heart. It will start in your life if you will take the time to pursue him in his word and to hear from him. And so so what do you do to to grab onto that? What do what do you do if if you're struggling to know what that looks like or or how to encounter Jesus in his word? I would encourage you to to maybe think like the Marys did. To grab a friend and run to the tomb. Grab a friend and run to scripture together. T- text a friend and figure out what those verses mean if you didn't understand what you read. Grab a coffee with a friend and pray through your doubts and your fears. And, and all the while, believe that, that Jesus and those encounters with Jesus are a new dawn in your life. And when you do that, you'll begin to wake up spiritually in a much healthier way. One really practical way that we want to start to live this out as a family is, um, you know, in 2017, we just want to read through the New Testament together five chapters a week reading through the New Testament together. And so there's going to be more information coming out about that. But one thing that you can be be doing now is to be thinking about, who can I run to those scriptures with? Is there one other person in the church? Maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a friend, guys and guys, girls and girls, I don't know. Uh, But who is that person that you can be running to scripture with so that you can be encountering Jesus in a new way? Because it's when we begin to look at our time reading scripture or praying as an opportunity to encounter Jesus, that we can begin to claim the promise that we read in Psalm 16. I love this verse, Psalm 16, 10 and 11. It says, For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. It's a a promise that God makes to us if we'll learn to trust him and encounter him on a daily basis we're going to live life in reverse, we have to believe that every encounter with Jesus is a new dawn. It's it's something new. It's it's a new opportunity to obey, to trust him more. That's number one. Number two, though, is this. Go while you doubt. Go while you doubt. I love what it says about the, the, the disciples in verses 16 and 17. It says, the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some of them doubted. Some of them doubted. These are the 11 disciples that are left, right? The guys who become the, the starters, the, the pioneers, the initiators of this, this movement of God that we call the church. The guys that, that would start it all. Some of them doubted. We can be encouraged that some of them doubted. I love how uh, it, the doubt is described in, in the life of the women in verse 28. It says, the women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. Isn't that what doubt feels like sometimes? Very frightened, but filled with great joy. The word translated as doubt, it means to be double-minded or to feel like you're, you're paralyzed or you're at this crossroad. It's literally this image of, of feeling like you could go either way. You're not sure exactly what to do. And so here are these disciples and and these people that are coming to Jesus and they're worshiping him. They they, they see him, he's alive. They believe that he is the son of God, but they're not really sure what to do next. There's some doubt there for them. And rightly so, right? Put yourself in their shoes for just a minute. Your treasurer, Judas, he just sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver and then went and hanged himself. Peter, Peter, who Jesus said he was going to build his church on, verbally denied knowing Jesus three times. All the others, except for John, had scattered before Jesus even died on the cross. None of the twelve stepped up to help bury the body, and now Jesus is telling them to head to Galilee to meet him. You've deserted this guy who has given you so much, Who's spoken truth into your life, you've literally ran away from him and he's saying, come meet me on a mountain in Galilee. Like, I really want to see him because he's a great guy, but I got a little bit of doubt because of some of the things I did. And so they go, but they go with doubt. They feel unworthy. They're at a crossroad, right? They're wondering what Jesus really thinks of them. They're wondering what Jesus is going to say, and yet they're still going to Galilee. They were going while doubting. And that's what you should do too. Doubt whether or not you will ever be good enough. Doubt whether following Jesus is really worth it. Doubt whether or not Jesus can ever use you because of your past. Those are all real things that we struggle with. Doubt that that Jesus has any meaningful purpose for your life. Doubt that Jesus could have enough grace to cover all those things. Doubt, but go while you doubt. Keep moving towards Jesus in the middle of the doubt. Keep serving people in the middle of your doubt. Keep putting yourself out there in positions that make you uncomfortable in the middle of your doubt. Keep going while you doubt. Because when you do, you can be assured that Jesus is one step ahead of you. I love what the angel says in verse 7. Now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. It reminds me of what we read in Deuteronomy thirty-one six, when God tells Moses and Moses tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid and don't panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. So believe that Every encounter with Jesus is a new dawn. Keep going, even while you're doubting. And finally, know that Jesus calls you to change the end of the story. I want to show you a picture of the mountain where Jesus was calling the disciples. He's calling them to meet them on top of this mountain. And you can see that around this mountain, you can see for a long way. You can see the the villages and the towns that represent the people who are living all around this mountain in Galilee. And Jesus calls them to the top of this mountain. He calls them to the top of this mountain. He takes them up where they could see over great distances. And in the midst of their doubt, wondering, does Jesus still love me after I deserted him? In the midst of their doubt, wondering, what's Jesus going to say In the midst of their doubt, wondering, am I good enough to to be a part of what Jesus is doing? He, He looks at them on the top of this mountain and he says this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's a loving leader. It's a leader that knows what the end of the story looks like. A picture where all of these people that they're now looking out over could one day be in heaven together because of their belief in Jesus. And Jesus is calling you. Jesus is calling you and me to show people that different ending to their story. He calls you to live differently. He calls you to approach gift-giving differently. He calls you to, to celebrate Christmas differently. He calls you to let people see how he's changed you. He calls you to die to yourself in an effort to serve others, just as he did. And in that, when you can figure out how to die to yourself so that you can serve others, that's when you find a life worth living, a life that begins with the end of mind, a life that's lived in reverse. You know, Jesus didn't take them up on that mountain for fun. He took them up there because he wanted them to see that the story was just beginning. It was just beginning. The gospel had places to go that they had never thought of or imagined, and and they were going to be the ones to do it. They were going to be the ones to, to keep changing the story as Jesus worked in and through their lives. And his promise to them on that mountain is the same promise that he makes to you and I today. No matter where you go, if you're living life in a verse... Jesus is with you. Surely I'm with you, even to the very end of the age. Christ community, I believe that, that we are just beginning to see just how much God wants to do through us. As we each take upon our, ourselves to, to encounter Jesus, to obey what he's asking us to trust him with. We're not at the end, but the beginning. We're just beginning to get a picture of how we, uh, a group of broken people full of doubts, fears, issues, messiness, how we are being called to take the gospel outside of these walls, our neighborhoods, into our community, and into all the world. And the question becomes really simple. Will you join him? Will you join Jesus out there? Will you join Jesus in changing the end of the story? Not getting caught up in, in living for today, but seeing the end Realizing that where you're at today isn't the end of the story, but it's simply the beginning of what God wants to do in and through you when you live a life in reverse. Psalm 49.15 reminds us that the same power that rose Jesus from the grave is, is living within us. It says, but as for me, God will redeem my life. He will snatch me from the power of the grave. today as the band comes and sings leads us in singing uh, I want you to think about where you are in life if you bought into that lie that, that maybe today is like you have no hope you're not sure where to go next you're not sure what to do next or are you believing that that, that Jesus has snatched you from the power of the grave He's given you hope and a new life and a new beginning in Him. As we respond to that, uh, maybe you need to, to learn more about who Jesus is. Maybe you've trusted Jesus and you followed Him in baptism and you want to respond through remembering His sacrifice for you. If that's you, we have communion on both sides and you can take a piece of the bread and dip it in the juice. Uh, we invite you to respond. Uh, Maybe, maybe for you it's an obedience thing, and as you've heard Richard's story today, uh, you recognize that figuring out what it looks like to, to give financially is a, a step of obedience he's asking you to take. There's ways to give in the back. Uh, there's going to be people who can pray with you in the back corner if you're if you're not sure, if you're struggling um, with where Jesus is and what he's asking you to do. Uh, there will be folks there to do that with you. But I want to invite you to stand with me, and we're going to pray And then we're going to respond to the Gospel of Jesus today. Father God, we thank You that when we trust You and we live a life for You, it's just the beginning. That every time we come back to to You and we hear You speak into our lives through Your Word and, and in prayer, that it's a new dawn. And so, God, I pray that today you would uh, give us uh, just new vision for our, our lives, for uh, for this church. God, I pray that, that you would continue to give us the strength to obey whatever you're calling us to do. God, if there's someone here who's, who's never trusted uh, you with their heart, with their life, God, I pray that you would, uh, that you would lead them that you would use your spirit to reveal to them the truth of the gospel, that your son Jesus loves them, he came to earth to be with us, that he died, and that as we read today, he lives again. He is no longer in the grave and he wants to snatch other people from that grave. God, we are so grateful for all that we have in this season And I pray that you would help us to to see how we might live life in reverse so that others take notice. Not notice of us, but notice of Christ in us. God, be with us just as you were when you sent Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.